If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotting. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. And this week, our show is brought to you by the Manitowoc Ice Company. The Manitowoc Ice Company started business in 1964 and has been at the forefront of innovation from the very beginning, including the invention of the vertical evaporator, the first automated cleaning system for ice machines, and the first ice machine to have a touchpad control panel. This tradition of leading the market through novel approaches continues to serve Manitowoc today as the company is at the forefront of food safety efforts and quality of life improvements. The company remains an America's number one seller of ice machines, but also now serves a global market and offers over 200 models for every need. If you need ice, think Manitowoc. All right. Well, thank you, Manitowoc, for that. Um. But we've got another company to talk about today. And that company is the company we mentioned in last week's episode, MGM, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And we're not going to be doing film criticism. We're not going to be doing a media review from uh, an IT and InfoSec perspective. We're going to be talking about jobs and hiring and the market and people doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because so, it's kind of funny that uh, MGM is all of a sudden hiring a bunch of uh, IT and security people. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems as if um, they're trying to uh, rebuild their environment from their recent kerfuffle. Uh, and uh, to do so, they're bringing in a bunch of uh, Red Hat administrators, uh, specifically to um, rebuild and deploy uh, new machines uh, throughout the environment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, servers, I mean, all their, their backend infrastructure, I think they have to assume at this point, and if you're not familiar, the, the MGM hack that we're talking about is the one that uh, hit about, uh, uh, what was it, uh, September, early September, September 2nd, 3rd, something like that. And as of this recording, I think that they have announced that it's recovered or they're done. They've gotten, they've taken care of the the actual issue. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, everybody's oh, just. I, I, I haven't, so. I haven't seen updates for operational status yet. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think you're right. I think your your presumption, and and I I think we agree with this, is that they don't know how endemic the thing is within their environment. So they're ripping everything out. You know, they're tearing the building down to the studs and they're reinstalling everything, right? Does it, yeah. that sound about right? Yeah. That sounds about right. And that is not a small undertaking. It's not a small undertaking for a small company, much less a however big MGM is, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar casino, uh, gaming, hotel, hospitality group. Especially Agreed. because they have so many computers, so many computers yeah. and uh, computers <laughs> with a lot of space in and around them because you said tearing everything out. You don't know, like uh, last time we we heard or talked about that, this might have been like some sort of like um, social engineering stuff. But I guess they don't know what the the or how many ingress points there might be at this point. Yeah, yeah it, like, it, I can, I, th like having so many machines around network connected this yeah. is a nightmare see that's the that's the thing that blows me away i i i respect and admire the flamethrower approach of of burn it all salt the earth and then reconstruct from the ground up i i respect that and there's not many companies that would have the wherewithal to do that you know luckily a casino can probably afford that um but my fear you know as anyone involved in that environment 
would be there'd be five machines that they didn't find or mm -hmm. 10 machines or one machine in yeah. a basement somewhere that was still connected. And when they go live with the new environment, that little bastard reaches out back to the mothership and the attackers are able to rebuild their entire attack through that one entry point. Yep. Um, yep. It, that would just, that would, that would terrify me. You know? Yeah, yeah. The the analogy I think of is uh, uh, treating cancer. You know, whatever form of cancer that a person might have, the reason that you go through all the radiation treatments and all the chemotherapy and stuff like that is you want to eradicate every possible cancer cell because all it takes is one cancer cell surviving and the cancer can regrow and come back again. Exact same thing in this situation. You have no idea what you what you're looking for. How how deep it was, so yeah, there's not much you can do, other than yeah, kill it, kill it all off, burn it all down. And I love that analogy. That's a perfect analogy. I'm going to use that in the future. Um, when they surgically remove a tumor, they don't just excise the tumor itself. They go uh, a few, you know, a few millimeters outside and around the tumor just for that particular situation. You know, the tumor might be easy visually to spot. But you don't know if there's one or two cells that are, you know, abutted in the the um, good flesh next to the tumor. So they make sure they carve out some extra just to make sure there are none remaining. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that with computers. Now, now, if if I was to do this and I had the unlimited budget that a, a casino might have, when I restand up the new network. I might not have just replaced the hardware. I might have created all new domains, you know, an entirely new network presence. So even if they turn it back on, they flip that big switch and activate it, that one or two ghost machines may still survive, but they're not connected. They might as well be air-gapped from the environment. That, that, right. that, that would be kind of my approach. Yeah, yeah. You have to assume that all the admins uh, have their accounts changed, passwords changed. Every user's probably had their password changed. Uh, every little bit of credentials, service accounts, all the stuff that runs in the background, all that you have to assume that that's all changed, or at least hope that that has all changed. As a and best all practice. new, all new DNS. You know, mm -hmm. I, I would yep. I would have a co totally separate build from the original. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, and you know, th the fact that they can do this with any kind of efficacy means they did have at least a good archiving and backup capability at some point. And we've talked about this for BCDR, particularly for ransomware attacks. Um, uh, then the fear, to carry your cancer analogy further, is that how far back do you go to restore <laughs> to make sure that you know even one of those ingress points isn't still included in your archive? Right, um, right. You know, <laughs> you, in other words, you don't want to be restoring compromised or machines or malware or anything like that. So, so yeah, how far back does it go? I don't know. <laughs> and does it go too far back to meet yeah. your RPO, your recovery point objective, right? Because right. if you lose too many transactions backwards, then you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, uh, Rafti, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, kill all the executables, kill every, anything that could do anything and just keep the data. And be wary of what programming language you use and what types of uh, data storage you use that you can separate those things from each other, of course. like, And I guess they know that and I guess they've done that. But yeah, so for instance, just for everybody to know, um, my wife recently wanted to do WordPress and WordPress is one of the bad things about WordPress is that it does not keep a good distance between data and executables. So if and the one recommendation I got Rafi, was because I never touched WordPress. To say, you're not allowed to say anything bad about WordPress because Joey is married to WordPress. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my CISO at Safing told me if I run a WordPress thing and if it gets compromised, burn everything and rebuild it from the bottom up. Don't take anything <laughs> from the other thing and just rebuild it. And that's the reason why my my typical thing and my needs personal are all done with Jekyll and it's just, it's beautiful. Everything is .md files basically on GitHub. So <laughs> nothing executable there. Good, 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 so, good. All yeah. the data so you're following best practices. Yes. I try to. <laughs> but my um, recommendation for anybody out there, and this is the reason, even though, Joey, 
uh, I'm sorry, mate, but um, separate your data and you're as good as possible because this is what you're saying. Like this is, and there are, and, and maybe this, when you're just a home user, you don't think about that this stuff is such interwoven. But when you talk about databases, some of them are not as clean cut and you need no, to be wary about no. this. And, and the application becomes inextricable from the data. And and we were just talking about 0365 on last week's episode and how all of that stuff is so meshed together. You know, you've yeah. got your SharePoint and your OneDrive and your OS and your and, and it's hard to even run anything without them all talking to each other. So right. even if you try to stop using OneDrive, your OS is still gonna say, Hey, would you like to save this to OneDrive? Are your backups going to one? There's a lot of defaults in there that are putting them all in one bucket. And and that becomes difficult when you want to burn something down. Um, all right, but the big kerfuffle out in the social media right now, the big discussion about MGM's approach has to do with their hiring practices for the rebuild project. Um, <laughs> MGM posted several job offerings to several different online uh, hiring sites uh, asking for uh, short-term admin uh, contractors to come in and work on this thing full bore uh, for three weeks start to finish. And um, I guess the the pushback from the community has been because of what they consider low pay uh, for the type and amount of work that's going to be asked for. Um, mm -hmm. The casino is willing to pay between $100 and $110 per hour for red hat administrators mm -hmm. and i'll go through the actual um qualifications here in a second to work 10 hours a day seven days a week for three weeks so 210 hours brute force all the way through now i'm going to add this caveat here mgm also in the job postings makes it very clear that they're willing to take very short termers if someone only wants to come in and work for one week, they're glad to have them. So you could do 70 hours and walk away with $7,000 if that's yep. what you choose to do. Yep. All right. And that's, a, um, and that's legitimately not a bad way to make seven grand. That's that's real work. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good money. That's hard cash. And that's what I thought. That was my immediate impression upon seeing that post. But the the twitterverse or x or whatever we want to call it is all up in arms there's a lot of it people young people who are decrying this as a horrible form of exploitation and an unrealistic ex um, expectation on behalf of a giant corporation that should know better yep um wrong. <laughs> okay matt matt Go ahead. You take you take that position because I have a hard time with that one. I, I have a tough one, tough time grasping that. But you go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I looked at the job posting as well. Um, and the first thing that stuck out to me was, okay, this is through a third party contracting company. This is so these these contractors uh, that would be coming in, A, they're not full time employees. They're they're what are called 1099 employees. They're not W2 employees, if you're familiar Freelancers. with Freelancers. Yeah, they they're 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 there for a short time. They're not there for a long time. They're there for a good time, hopefully. Uh, the um, because the job has a limited scope. Um, the other thing is that they're they're doing all this, like I said, through a third party consultant or contracting company. So, when you get hired on as your 1099, you are not an employee of MGM, and you are also not an employee of the actual person who is paying your your uh, your paycheck. Uh, I forget the name of it. I'd printed it off and I forgot to bring it to me uh, with me to There's this. There's several of them. Okay. And, 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 and the I just have to interject this here. The reason I think this is occurring is because MGM cannot do the 1099 hiring, both for legal reasons and through their own corporate policies. Okay. If the, the, I don't think a corporation of their size is legally allowed to bring in a bunch of 1099s for a short-term project like this, even though that's perfectly the scope for what freelancers are designed for. Yeah. Um, 
So what they've done instead is handed a bucket of money to a contractor, signed a contract with the contractor, and let the contractor do it. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no way they could hire people within three weeks to go work at MGM. That just, <laughs> right. I, I mean, seriously, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, know, um, you know, Robin works for CarMax. It sometimes takes them months to process a new hire. It just yep. because that's the nature of corporations. Yeah, Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're and and that's all uh, perfectly valid stuff. Yeah, the the third party contractor is is um is is brought in to do all the you know all of your background checks all your onboarding of, the, of these contractors all these employees and and give them their marching orders and all that kind of stuff um so aside from the fact that a hundred dollars an hour or 110 dollars an hour for red hat admins is is not great pay i mean they uh, if you're already a red hat certified admin meeting all of the criteria and you you, you may want to read off uh, the what they're looking for you're, you're probably already. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> making more money than the, the qualifications on the snag a job posting. And again, there's multiple postings in multiple venues, but this one qualifications are bachelor's degree in comp sci related field, minimum five years experience with Red Hat Linux sysadmin, strong knowledge of shell scripting and automation tools such as Ansible, Puppet, and so forth, familiarity with virtualization technologies such as VMware and KVM, excellent troubleshooting and problem solving skills, must hold or be willing to obtain Red Hat certified uh, sysadmin, R-H-C-S-A certification. Okay. I, I didn't notice the willing to obtain. That, that Okay, that changed. <laughs> I might be in Vegas for the next couple of weeks, folks. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Do, I, do you have any of these certs, Matt, the Red Hat stuff? No, no. I, uh, my comp size stuff was all in Unix. And so I have a background in, in programming and Linux and all that stuff. But my practical usability, my practical skills are no, nowhere. I, I don't touch Linux. Uh, no, I play with Kali and that's about it. My only familiarity is I've done a, a few dozen Ubuntu installs when I was a public school teacher so that I could remove Windows from certain machines <laughs> because Windows in that version didn't allow you to destroy itself. So um, yeah. but my my Red Hat exposure is extremely limited. But OK. All right. Do you, do you know if it's a tough cert to achieve? I don't know, but generally speaking, the Linux guys are seen as on a higher tier than the Windows guys. So in, in, in the grand yeah. scheme of okay. IT and stuff like that, Linux guys know their stuff. Uh, you have to because it's not a point and click Windows interface uh, most of the time. It's it's all scripting, like you mentioned, as one of those. A lot of it is command line stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're looking at the uh, the the Mister Robot, uh, you know, Neo in the Matrix, you know, green screens, <laughs> doing all your, uh, if if not uh, all of your work, but but the vast majority of your work is done via command prompt. So, so it's, it's, it tends to be a higher class of uh, of applicant for, for for that type of stuff, and they are very in demand because Linux. As I think we talked about on a Linux episode, Rafti, you 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 know all this. The Linux guys, they run the world. <laughs> they they quietly sit behind the scenes, <laughs> and 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 uh, smoke their cigars and drink their cognac while all the Windows guys run around patching systems and stuff. Yeah, what I'm just a little bit confused is like there are spinoffs of Red Hat, of course, because Red Hat is it's, it's open source ish, um, but I'm just confused that because CentOS and a couple of others are spinoffs of Red Hat, um, that they require the certificate. It must be something in regards to um, insurance, probably that they are yeah. Yeah. willing to get that. Because the other stuff, KVM and Shell and stuff, I I I feel like they are very broad in what they accept. Um, and with what you said as well, like with the willingness, probably it's an after training which the the contractor might provide as well because they I, they know I'm what so they glad they just you saw. Said that. Because that's exactly how I read it, too. These qualifications seem very general and broad. I mean, yeah. excellent troubleshooting and problem-solving skills. That's a filler line that HR puts in there, okay? It, there's no metric for that. Um, and so how can you test that in that time frame? That's right. exactly what I'm saying. I, so I think my guess, my guess is that they're using the certification as the minimum bar, the threshold. Instead of a high school diploma, they're using a bachelor, uh, you know, of comp sci. Instead of can you work a machine, they're using Red Hat admin. And again, I think that may be too much gun because Matt, like you just said, 
Linux admins are in high demand and they have a lot of capability. So I think for what they're asking for, these qualifications are a little bit higher than are necessary. And HR tends to overdo it like that, like asking for CISSP for an entry level, uh, you know, <laughs> a SOC yeah. analyst job. But okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. I, we keep interrupting you. No, 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 no. These are all perfectly good discussion points. Um, but um, so the, the the other thing I wanted to bring up was um, being a 1099 contractor. If you're not familiar with the way the world works in capitalism, uh, that means that you are responsible for all of your own benefits. So you don't get health care. You don't get vacation time. You don't uh, uh, get all, uh, yeah, have your taxes taken out. You've got to pay your own taxes, for instance, uh, which in America is <laughs> is a big deal. <laughs> not so much in Austria. <laughs> but um, so you're taking on a lot of burden and being a 1099. Yeah, you get a big wad of cash. But at the end of the year, when the IRS comes knocking, you better have all of your ducks in a row to be able to pay uh, Uncle Sam what you uh, what you owed on based on what you, you made. And about and at 100 to 110 dollars an hour, if you average that over a year, you're looking at a 40 percent withholding because it's usually a 30 percent tax bracket plus 10 percent um, small business owner self-employment tax. Uh, and and I don't know why you were eschewing uh, Australia's uh, tax uh, problems. <laughs> Rafti was telling us his tax rate's pretty damn high too. Rafti, what was? Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your personal income tax exposure? I at the end I get a quarter out. So basically, I I pay twenty five percent upfront for just like capital gain tax. Then I have to pay insurance. That's mandatory. That's another 25% to 30, depending. And then when I want to take the money out of the company, oh no, that's the one thing. It's the 25 is before I, like when it comes into the company. And then when I take it out, I have to pay again 25 and 10 to up to 50%. So that's depending on how much. So it's you, have, you have an effective personal tax rate of 75%. Uh, uh, yeah, and then we pay 20% uh, value-added tax on everything we buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Austria is wow. horrible all, all, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, my 40% tax rate doesn't seem so good. Okay, but okay, but, so Matt... But you so have Matt, to pay insurance as well. Mine is included in that. But, yeah. Matt, but Matt is making an excellent point. Usually, if you're an employee of a company, a lot of that is transparent to you as the individual because what your employer will do is they'll do holdback for your taxes. You won't even see that as part of your income. It'll go directly to FICA plus... Instead of the 10% self-employment tax, your employer's paying that as part of your Social Security withholding, uh, ostensibly your federal retirement fund. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so, so if you're an employee, typically you have more take-home pay from your salary than if you're a 1099 freelancer and getting paid uh, a check for services. Um, and I think that's where you were going with that, Matt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, the the other point I wanted to make about the difference between the U.S. and I and I think about the the, the Austrian and other countries is we have to to do all of our, all of our own paperwork for our taxes. In other words, we have to hire CPAs or go to a, a an accountant um, to figure out what we owe if we're not something simple like you know a a, a straightforward ten forty EZ or something like that. And I assume Austria, Rafa, you guys, all that's already calculated for you by the government. You don't have to do a thing where on April fifteenth of every year. You're filing, filing a big thing of paper that you've got to mail off and have it postmarked by a certain date and stuff like that. When you're self-employed, you have to, yeah. But if okay. you're employed, no, no. Okay. But when you're self-employed, yes. So, so yeah, I would say if you're a 1099, your taxes will, will be different when you have to calculate them. Um, it's and not it is a pain in the ass, and there's yeah. an additional expense there. Um, I, I use the H&R Block app, and, mm -hmm. and it costs me between four and $700 a year. Um, just to use the app and to file the, the taxes with that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and, and that suits, you know, some, uh, the vast majority of people, uh, I, I, I can't use the H and R block app. I've got too many, my fingers in too many pies. So I have to actually go to a CPA. My, uh, out of pocket expenses for my accountant is, is, uh, considerably higher than, than yours is. I've um, used accountants in the past and it has cost me upwards of $5,000 per year yeah. just to have them do my taxes. But right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. But you hope that they, they, they save you more than that amount. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. right. 
and, and their reports. fee their fee is tax deductible right i mean that's how uh, they yes, did their yes. little uh, they had right. their own lobbying organization within the, the <laughs> right. federal tax structure right yeah um so yeah so not to turn this into a podcast about finance <laughs> but i think what you're saying is that of the 100 to 110 dollars per hour a considerable larger amount at least on paper is is going to taxes as compared to if they were employees hired in and they're not getting additional non-taxed benefits such as vacation time sick time and so forth right right exactly okay, exactly. okay. now now realistically though for a short-term engagement over the three weeks you're being hired to do the project, you probably shouldn't be scheduling <laughs> your vacation anyway. Right, right. And, and, yeah, and if you're one. sitting in an air-conditioned casino facility in Las Vegas for 10 hours a day, you don't have a lot of opportunity to have a physical accident where you need to go to the emergency room. Could it happen? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. But it's one of the safer locations to be in terms of your physical health. So, True. Um, yeah, this is a knuckle down and get the job done in three weeks. Your benefits probably wouldn't uh, make a giant difference in your life during that span anyway. If you have to make an appointment at the podiatrist, schedule it for 23 days after, you know, and yeah. and and go see the doctor with with 24 grand in your pocket, you know? <laughs> right. Although I did note on at least the job listing that I looked at, there was a requirement for being able to lift upwards of 30 pounds, I think. Um so but I, that's I, I think... standard. That's standard oh, yeah. in just okay. In in every contract that always has to be put in there, just because if you ever have to move a printer or some bullshit like yeah. that, yeah, they you know, and this is HR. This has HR written all <laughs> over it. It's yeah. just garbage. It's yeah. Yeah. Cause my first thought was, uh, having worked in and around data centers for, for decades now, uh, I have had to lift very heavy servers and put them in racks <laughs> and you don't want to trip and either a drop the server and damage it or break it or B have it fall on you. And then you have to go to the ER. <laughs> I, I've seen, I've seen corporate job postings where they'll say, um, the job requires long amounts of sitting. And then standing and sitting again. I mean, they're all they're doing is justifying their job as HR employees by you know trying to enumerate every physical motion on the. Yeah. It's sort of like an ISO standard, you know. ISO has a standard of how to pick your nose properly. You know, this, that's that's what this is. All right, Not too steep. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Here's the proper angle. Here's how many strokes per not, per strategy. Not better in than that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Okay. So, uh, um, so anyways, so yeah, not to, not, not to relish in the details too much. Um, but, um, uh, anyone who is thinking of applying for this position, I encourage you to, if the, if you feel like this suits you, uh, with the full knowledge that this is, you, you're, you're, you're not being hired as an employee of MGM. You're not going to get free casino passes and free tickets to shows. And they're probably not even going to fly you out to, to, to Las Vegas. You're going to have to go out on your own dime, find your own housing, uh, your own transportation and stuff like that. Um, and at the end of the year, you're going to have to pay your own taxes on all this kind of stuff. Now, if you're able to live with all that kind of stuff, by all means, go ahead and, and, um, and apply, apply for it. The other thing I wanted to bring up though, was th since this is being done through a third-party contractor, one of the, I don't know if it's a, if it's a dirty little secret of the contracting world, uh, or it, it may be completely out there, uh, back in the nineties, when I was doing contract gigs, much like this. It was a, it was very much a big secret how much the contractor themselves were making and then paying you out of. So the typical rate was two to three times whatever your hourly rate was that you were taking home. So if you are taking home, let's say $100 an hour for this contract gig, the 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 contractor that you are actually working for is probably making two to $300 per hour. Because they're doing all of the searching, they're doing the interviewing, yeah. they're doing all the background checks and the administrative work right. that HR would typically do. Now, right. in certain fields, like when I was a federal contractor in the D.C. area, um, those are limited. The, uh, you know, the, the PAC, the, the, the over costs um, are limited to 7% per employee, oh, wow. um, which is, you know. That's a pretty thin margin. So you yeah. have to have a good number of people working at a pretty sufficiently high rate in order to own the giant building with the glass and the, you know, steel and all that stuff. 
you know, a, a large defense contractor like CACI, C-A-C-I, where they have 100,000 employees working for the federal government, they can afford that stuff. But a mom and pop shop with one or two uh, contractors or freelancers working for them, it's a lot harder to do. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to, yeah, 7% margin, you you can't keep the lights on if you're the, uh, the the company that's bringing all these people in. Plus, if your freelancers work, for instance, in a skiff or something like that, you need to maintain a skiff on your facility. You have to have one that's rated and um, uh, you have to have armed guard response within 10 minutes and you have to uh, uh, submit yourself to audits by, uh, I think, Defense Information Systems Agency and the physical contract. I think GSA also does audits as well. So again, yes, in some fields, the contracting entity might gouge you as a body shop, but in other fields, they're working just as hard as you are to find you employment and to keep you employed. Okay. And that's fair. And, and and that may be the case with a contractor that they're, that MGM is bringing in. Uh, I, I don't know that. We given, don't know what their override rate is. Yeah. yeah. Given how rapidly they're responding to this and bringing in basically warm bodies to, to fill seats uh, for MGM, I would guess that they're probably gouging them pretty, pr- pretty good because they're going to make the argument to MGM, hey, we got to find these people on short notice. We need more money. And And realistically, they're working real hard to do that. Because they need yeah. to bring in people who can interview those candidates. And those people who can interview those candidates have to know Red Hat because they got to be asking the right questions as well. Um, right. So there is a cost that they're experiencing and they're taking on some liability. If they send a couple clinkers over to MGM and MGM turns them around and says, these pogues are wasting our time. They're getting in our way of our reconstruction. That's either a lawsuit or a breach waiting to happen, and mm-hmm. and that's something that the contracting entity might have to absorb in terms of cost. So there's a reason they can charge those those exponential rates plus the timing, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So um, yeah, that was the 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 big thing that I was wanting to bring in, um, and of course the other thing is just on its face, this just smacks of really underpaying people. Uh, because everybody can see how big and glamorous MGM is. You know, they're a movie studio, they're a casino, hospitality, like I said, all this stuff. You know, you as you said in the last episode, you walk through a, a, a giant lion's head when you walk into the lobby <laughs> of the place. And so you know casinos make money. Why not pay more and get better people or uh, get what you pay for? You know, offer $150, $200, $300 an hour for these uh, employees, especially given how how, how uh, the terms are of these contracts. So you get better people and you just look better in general to the Twitterverse, to, you know, the the zeitgeist, to, to everybody out in the world. <laughs> and, and, and on top of that, just attract better ta- talent uh, overall. Now, I could see that as a double-edged sword, though. If you offer $300 an hour for a rush job, everyone and their brother is going to glut your application portal, even if they don't have the credentials. You're going to have a lot of people who are trying to scam and slime their way in, um, regardless of whether they're justified applicants. By keeping it low, you might be thinning the field of the experts, but you're at least uh not attracting a bunch of gadflies either you know yeah yeah tire kickers yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. i can make 300 an hour okay yeah um and of course they must have experts for navigating and overseeing everything like this i mean if they're willing to hire somebody for a week like i i can't imagine like what thank you thank you i would be getting now yeah. let's now let's read the responsibilities description because Rafti, I think you hit the nail on the head, and this was my perspective when I saw this job posting. Here are the responsibilities: install, configure, and maintain Red Hat Linux OSs and servers, perform system monitoring to verify integrity and availability of hardware, server resources, and key processes, implement system backup and recovery protocols, monitor system performance, and recommend implement improvements. Collaborate with the security team to enforce policies and monitor compliance, assist in software deployments and updates, provide tier two and three support as needed, document system configurations, updates, and procedures. To me, and again, I'm not Red Hat Linux certified, I'm not a sysadmin, but to me, 
that doesn't sound like level 37 IT mage requirements. These sound <laughs> like basic, yeah, yeah. just shy of help desk monkey requirements. This is what a basic sysadmin does. You're talking about deploying an OS. You're talking about monitoring the OS and checking that the OS was installed properly and then adding some apps to it. Realistically, I feel that even my non-technical expert, I could do this. It would take me some <laughs> learning curve to do Linux versus Windows, but I could do this. Mm -hmm. You don't, they're not looking for expertise. They're looking for helper monkeys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and install script can do most of this, you know, like, but they want to do a lot of it why... manually. Here, here's my guess. My guess is yeah. MGM has a very good core team of IT professionals. It's not huge, but it was enough to sustain three casinos in Las Vegas. So they have a sufficient amount of trained personnel. Those trained personnel have come up with a rebuild plan. They've created a golden image with a good configuration that may not be bulletproof, but it's very, very good. What they don't have is a hundred bodies to come in and install it on the 10,000 devices that they needed to, and then to monitor the scripts and review the logs to make sure it was installed properly. That's my guess. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In other words, everybody that they're bringing in under this contract, knowing that they're going to be short timers, um, are, yeah, they're, 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 they're warm bodies to, to fill, uh, to fill a very specific need because, yeah, these are not the experts that are, in other words, they're not looking to replace their security team and their IT team. They, they, they've already got those people. They just exactly. need help. Get it, and get I, it, imagine, I imagine that for every five warm bodies, there's at least one dedicated core professional who's an MGM employee who's watching them, who's the yeah. shepherd, who's right. doing the work alongside them and is just double checking what they're doing. This is just a force multiplier for a very short-term engagement. It doesn't require somebody who could redesign MGM's entire build. It's not, mm -hmm. they're not looking for a network architect. They're not looking for someone to get them through their SOC 2 audit. They're just looking for someone who can click a few clicks and type a few strings and do the job that somebody else could do if they had the time to do it, right? Yep. Right, right. Yeah, for 10 hours a day, seven days <laughs> straight. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's... You know, realistically, is this long hours? Sure. Is it is it something that requires some attention to detail? Absolutely. But it doesn't require 20 years of experience, you know, wizardry in Red Hat. It's it's someone who can do installs. It, you know, yeah. it's a deployment. Um, and realistically, I think for that level of engagement, 110 hours is some damn good money. I mean... You know, I don't know. An hour? Yeah, I I don't know what uh, the average U.S. annual income is, but last I checked, it was around sixty three thousand uh, dollars per household. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know there's a lot of other jobs where you work a lot harder outside in the sun for twenty bucks an hour <laughs> or thirty bucks an hour. I did yeah. go and I did go and look at other. Um, job postings for other Red Hat administrator gigs. And uh, I, I checked nationwide uh, uh, listings. And th they seem to vary between, there's some real lowballers out there, which I throw out as, as sort of outliers for like $45 an hour. But they seem to average between $65 to $85 an hour. That, that seems to be where seasoned professionals end up. For full-time jobs with good benefits and all of the, the other, you know, employee um, stuff. Yep. 110 represents an increase of, you know, between 50% and 75% over those normal employee hours. Now, you're right. Self-employment tax is going to be a gouge because you got at least the extra 10% going to Social Security. So that decreases your take-home but it still represents a significant rise over what somebody would have in an, in an employee chair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what yeah. you're saying is if you're employed as such a redhead admin and you feel comfortable with it, take vacation, go there take for a, week's a week. worth of vacation and go do it. You know, when, when I was vacation a, and do that, <laughs> when I was a uh, computer teacher in a public school in Las Vegas, 
I was making $43,000 a year, which is a lot less than 110 per hour. <laughs> if this thing had popped up in my radar, I definitely would have taken a week off teaching school. Now that school's back in, the summer's over. I would have taken a week off teaching school, gone downtown and done this job, and come back with one-sixth of my annual pay in my pocket, even after taxes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, seven grand a week is is uh, is not a small amount of money, especially if you're uh, not used to 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 that. If you're doing something else, you know, teacher or or some other position or something like that. So yeah, there there, there is an argument to be made that um, given the, the the task and the limitations of it, that that it is a fair amount. But it's also fair, I think, to say this is a multi billion dollar company. <laughs> Come on, guys. We all know that you're you're hurting right now. <laughs> they, could, love. they could pay more. But again, I think they'd get overwhelmed with applications yeah. and they're not looking for experts. Yeah. Realistically, right. if I if I hire somebody who's used to making two hundred dollars an hour, they're not going to follow the directions of the exist. The incumbent sysadmin who's employed by MGM telling them to do the employee. Instead, they're going to have their they're going to have their own ideas about yeah. oh you're configuring it wrong. What you should do is that like no 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 this is the golden image. Install it. Shut up in color and move on to the next <laughs> dozen devices. We've got three weeks to get this job done. You're not an architect here. You're a helper monkey. Right. right? right. Mm. Yep. yep. And I think I think that's the downside. You know, they're they're targeting the amount to the kind of person that they want. Right. Right. And, and here's what I think about. I think about the guest we had on from Perscolis. Mm -hmm. You know, single mom. Uh, she'd been waitressing for years. She just had brain surgery earlier that year. She was looking for a way to get off her feet doing waitressing, get away from low pay and tip income, and into an air-conditioned office in a professional white-collar environment. If you offered her $110 an hour, with her brand new squeaky sir and and yeah they ask for the degree and they ask for the five years of experience but it sounds to me like they're under the gun enough that they're willing to you know make the case that if you can do the job we'll let you in yeah. to give her a hundred and hundred and ten dollars per hour would have been life-changing for her and at the end of three weeks of work if she's got 21 to twenty four thousand dollars that's a game changer right yeah yeah that's that's jump starting a career right there yeah yeah yeah. And talk about resume fodder. Now yeah. <laughs> for her next sysadmin job, she gets to say she took part in this rescue and recovery operation for this major corporation. Plus, she's rubbing shoulders with 110 other qualified people who are all going to go on to their next jobs. Remember her and the performance she did and her attitude and her personality and be able to reach out and tap her on the shoulder and say, you know what? I remember you from Vegas. How about you want to come over here and do this thing? Right. Or if MGM likes her enough to say, you know what? As long as we got you here, we can no longer offer you 110 per hour. But what we can <laughs> do is 70 per hour, you know, plus benefits. Right. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was going to add was that um, uh, for anyone who would consider taking this job, don't go into it thinking that you're going to become an MGM employee. But that is always an option that the, the the parent company could see what they are like what they see and then convert you from a contractor to a full-time or a part-time employee actually you know working for uh as a w-2 and not a 1099 and, and and even if it's not the corporation that might end up hiring you you're rubbing shoulders with people who are in our community you're networking while you're working and people are going to remember you for good or ill, you know, how well you did <laughs> and, and how you handled yourself. And we're small enough and tight knit enough that if you stand out, if you do a good job, if, if you can keep your head down and grind through 10 hour days, seven days a week, that's going to stick in people's memory. And, yeah. you know, even if the, the executive running this project at MGM can't hire you at MGM, when that executive goes on to their next thing and they have to rebuild a team, they might reach out to you later on. So right. I don't think it harms you career-wise in the long term. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There, it's, 
Um, and yeah, the argument can be made that 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 is a benefit, it, even though you don't get other benefits. Um, yeah, just the like you said, the networking, and not networking in terms of IT, but networking in terms of getting to know people. I still uh, talk to people that I worked with 20 years ago on teams and fortune 500 companies, and we all know each other and, and uh, having those connections is, is so valuable. You, you just never know where things are going to end up. So yeah, that, that, that is ta a, a tangible, real possible benefit out of doing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. So this <clears throat> episode, when it comes out, um, how long do people still have left? They'll have two weeks left in the offering. And it sounds to me like MGM is going to be hiring all the way through it. Because if they only allow people, yeah. if they allow people to leave at the end of the first week, they're still going to need to be backfilling. So it doesn't sound like they're going to run out of, of need for hiring. So yeah, if people hear this and they're interested and they think they have the chops, go spend a couple of weeks in Vegas, make a chunk of money, <laughs> spend an extra week in Vegas on your own dime. And then, you know, Blow all your money, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what the hell? You make twenty one thousand. You spend fifteen. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, and and casino losses are tax deductible. <laughs> but so are casino gains, or not tax deductible? They are taxable. <laughs> yes, that is true. That is true. Um. So, uh, so yeah. Now now the thing that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way about the social media reaction is. The number of Linux admins and other IT professionals who are skewing this and looking down on it is degrading. And to me, that speaks of an elitism within our industry that is close to reprehensible. I, I do understand that if someone's trying to exploit you by underpaying you, that's distasteful, but I don't think that's what's going on here based on the criteria we've just discussed. Um, could they be paying more? Sure, but they want to limit it to the kind of people that they want to get. Now. With that said, the only reason that Linux administrators are so expensive or other types of entities within our field, you know, whether it's a, a database administrator or, you know, whatever cert you have, you know, uh, 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 a Cisco cert used to be the, the keys to the kingdom, right? <laughs> the only reason those things command the high salaries that all of those people can um, garner is because of limited access, is because there's a limited supply. Yeah, Once it's a, more it's a people, niche market. It is, it is, absolutely. It's a seller's market on behalf of labor, right? Yep. Once enough people enter this field and have those certs, those prices will start to drop because it'll become a commodity. And the thing that I find really distasteful about them is skewing this job listing is they seem to be looking down on these new hires, these new people, these hired guns, these mercenaries willing to come in and step up, willing to take a lower paying gig than what they would price it at, and willing to do hard work for a short amount of time without the benefits, because those people represent the next generation of administrators coming in and filling up a market need. So what I'm kind of seeing here is a bunch of people who are closely guarding their chosen employment because it's high pay, low risk, low harm, low effort. They're not down in the coal mines risking their necks. <laughs> They're sitting at air conditioned desks, right? And it, it smacks me of protectionism, kind of a guild sort of mentality where we've got these positions nobody else should come in and do the job for less those people are scabs they're undercutting the rest of us well and yeah, what i look at it is the, 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 I, I look at it as normalizing and averaging um a, a job or a task that other people might be just as qualified as doing and deserve a shot just as much as the rest of us i'm sorry matt i didn't mean to cut you off yeah no no um yeah the term we use a lot in in our circles is gatekeeping you know, I, I, I do not want you to get this certification or take this job or do this thing because I have already done it and I can see that, you know, you don't meet my standards, so I don't think that you should do it. Um, but that's not the way the world actually works. <laughs> the world works on a constant stream of newcomers uh, being interested, motivated, um, uh, being trained up and taking over as us old timers slowly work our ways out of the, the workforce. If you make a thousand dollars an hour, People are going to want your job because there's a lot, 
there's a lot of people willing to work for $900 an hour <laughs> or $800 an hour. Right. And more people are going to train to want to take that job. And you shouldn't, from your lofty heights of $900 or $1,000 per hour, you shouldn't be pissing downwards on them to make their ascension more difficult. You right. should realize that you've got it good only because of the vagaries of supply and demand and that that won't last forever. Um, yeah, it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not doing this altruistically, but I often make my training material for certification priced much lower than other competitors of equivalent content mm -hmm. because I want it accessible. I want Malaysian kids to be able to afford it, even though their GDP is a fraction of what the U.S. is, and their annual income is nothing like what annual income of IT workers is in the U.S. I want new kids out of high school to be able to access the material. I want the material as broad and wide as possible because I believe there's security professionals out there who can do this job who aren't just in the United States and haven't been born into privilege. And I think our market needs those people because we need good security wherever you come from. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to take the financial hit to do that, not because I'm a nice person, but because one, I believe in the field, I believe in security, I believe in protecting people and assets. And two, I think if I broaden the field to more customers, I can make up in volume what I wouldn't do in price. So yeah. there, there's a way to achieve the same end and look out for yourself and, and make sure you're not devaluing your own work. And there's still a way to serve the community in a, in a way that's profitable and sensible and beneficial to all. Uh, that, that's just my take on it. I don't like gatekeeping. I, I think it's really gross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, un, un, unfortunately I have caught myself a few times over my career being that way. And, and I try not to be now, <laughs> you know, the old adage, when you know better, you do better. But I have uh, caught myself talking down to uh, Joey uh, in particular. Um, <laughs> you were talking down to Joey. <laughs> I was a bit awesome. gatekeeper with him early on in our friendship. <laughs> Unfortunately, but I've, I've tried to get better. Uh, and hopefully I, hopefully I am better. Um, but yeah, I've, I've taken more of the attitude of, um, uh, yeah, being, being more inclusive, uh, just because you didn't follow the same path that I did through the ranks of, uh, you know, help desk and, you know, old, old 10 base two, and you never touched a DOS prompt. Well, you know, I guess you're still just as good. <laughs> and, and, you know, and yes, we have our own inherent internal biases, and we're always going to think that our way was best. But um, I think you also realize, Matt, at some point, and this may be presumptuous of me, correct me if I'm wrong, you realize that at some point there's room in the market for both you and Joey. Right. It, yeah, you know, exactly. That, that Joey's yeah. not breaking your rice bowl by entering into the same field and going after the same uh clients that right. has competition is... is good for you not bad and right. you've even talked you've talked about on previous episodes when you get a clinker of a customer when you get a client that you just don't <laughs> want anymore you're glad to fire them and hand them off to a competitor yeah <laughs> very true yeah but 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 yeah the uh the 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 field the industry that we're in it's not a zero-sum game just because i win doesn't mean you have to lose we can all win and and it's, it's good to to support each other especially with as complex and um and crazy as this industry is yeah it, it only benefits everybody to to share knowledge and to sh share the wealth absolutely agreed I, I i couldn't say it any better um uh uh yeah, you know, and, and again, there's no best course. There's no best person. If someone has the capacity, I don't care where they're coming from. I don't care if they've been a plumber for 20 years. If all of a sudden they get a hankering to enter IT, well, you know what? IT might work for them. It ain't medicine, right? You know, it, there's one thing. If you try to go to med school when you're 50 years old, First of all, you you may not have the stamina to survive an internship or a residency, <laughs> right? Just right. physically. Yeah. But by the time you get, you simply do not have the time to acquire the level of skills that a neurosurgeon who's been who you know completed med school in their twenties is going to acquire by the time they're in their forties. Someone who's fifty years old doesn't have into their seventies to become that level of neurosurgeon in IT. 
different beast, different beast altogether. Yeah. 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 Because in medicine, you're, uh, the, the, the goalposts aren't always moving the human body, the anatomy, the, the biology it's, it's been the same for, <laughs> for eons technology, not the same way. You know, I can't, uh, the, the skills that I learned in on Lantastic don't transfer to windows 11. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now you may be able, you know, you've understood the process and you have some of the seasoned approaches of how to learn new things, but IT is forgiving. If someone steps in brand new and they have the skills, they may be almost as good as someone who has 20 years of experience just yep. because of the nature of IT, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We got Rafi. Of course, we, as we said, because you said, uh, doesn't depend on where people come from. It depends on what you like still. Like, and we talked about this in the past, and you can listen back to some older episodes where we talked about what you sort of need to, what sort of person do you need to be to actually enjoy that, that stuff. And we already said a couple of things. You need to be willing to learn, and you need to be willing to cooperate and talk with other people. And yeah. Most of which aren't technical evolving. skills. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm completely with you. All right, well, good. I'm <clears throat> I'm glad that uh, we were able to take a look at this. I'm really interested to see what the outcome is and how MGM weathers. Um, uh, I, I you know it's not that I have any deep affinity or love for a Las Vegas casino or a major billion dollar <laughs> corporation. That that that's not where I'm at. But they were a victim. They were a yeah, victim of absolutely. crime. They were a victim of a crime. They suffered an immense impact, and they're trying to recover from a disaster. From my perspective as a security professional, I want to see them overcome the challenge. I don't care if the company goes bankrupt next year because their product sucks and people stop going to MGM and instead they go to the Excalibur or the Luxor or whatever. I, I don't care about whether the company survives because of business. I want to see them not die because of crime. And right. I want us to be able to at least use this as a model for how to recover from something so dramatic, just from a BCDR perspective where everyone can learn and see that we we won't be defeated by the criminals. That's that's what I'm taking away here. Yeah, yeah. No matter what the outcome is of this, this will be a case study for years to come, good or bad. Of, of you know, this is what their response was, and this is these are the decisions that they made with the information that they had at the time. And this was the result of them. Um, yeah, people are going to be studying this for 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 quite a long time. Um, I just think it's unfortunate that we have so little information to go off of right now. Because uh, even leading into this podcast, I was still scrambling, trying to find articles, trying to find YouTube videos, anything I could to 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 get more information about what actually is going on here. Aside from the hiring of the contractors and stuff like that, there still just is not a lot of public information about what has actually happened um, and what is what is happening currently as we as we sit here now. But but we've we've also discussed that on previous episodes. It's okay yeah. to sit on the information while the situation is developing. That's actually the smarter thing to do yeah. than to try to feed a rumor mill where you may have to correct your own assessment later on. Right. I don't want them to stay opaque after this is all over. I'm really hoping they'll give us some transparency. They'll do like like target. When the retail giants suffered their big um, breach, they came clean afterwards and shared with the community everything that occurred and allowed us to learn from that. I'm hoping MGM will go that route, but I'm willing to give MGM some time to do that too. Sure. Let them get the house in order first. Yeah. You know? yeah. Last thing they need is three goofballs on a podcast, armchair quarterbacking every decision that they make. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, well, thank you, gentlemen. Um, appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rafti, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized interested in training for CISSP CCSP CISM SSCP CCSK boy that's a lot of letters or other InfoSec certifications 
Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. <laughs>